This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So come to me, come to me now, throw your arms around me, and this is why... This is why we fight. So Shag Shag had this idea like seven or eight years ago. Imagine if the Decemberists put on a bush dance. And it's been an idea that's haunted my subconscious ever since. And I'm like, holy shit, there is a version of the universe, Shag. There is an alternate reality where we are right now at a Decemberist bush dance. Holy shit, how fun would that be? You know what's really funny about our friendship? I have a terrible memory. And so often you'll be like, remember when you said this? And it's like, I have no recollection of ever saying that. And even in my mind now, I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> you said so many good stuff. Like Luther, like I, this joke you made about Luther. <laughs> you just, I, like, I crack up every time. Shaq's like... When will internal affairs just fucking get out of the way and let Luther save London again? (laughs) It's just just the best. Um, Shag, it's a new year. Um, We missed you last week for one of the weaker but well-intentioned Spooko episodes. So anyone who came through the old Peach uh, solo joint and realised that I was the... uh, What was the black dude from Cypress Hill's name? I think it's Sendog, who realised that I was the Sendog of the duo. That's a disappointing, disappointing week for us all. But we've got Shag back in the saddle. It is also a new year, which means Shag that we're not going to do quite uh, watery New Year's resolutions from last year, but we are just going to reflect on things around us. And one of these goals, one of the things we're going to reflect on, is as a sort of socialist inflected podcast, a sort of reasonably anti-capitalist podcast. I thought we'd check in to see how we're going with not, not, not knocking down capitalism at the moment. And so how do you get a gauge for how capitalism's going, right? The share market, right? So I thought I'd check in with my portfolio, right? So I've got one of these take $5 a week out of your account type things and I've deposited into various exchange traded funds with names like sustainability leaders, uh, invest smart ethical share, uh, Vanguard ethically conscious. So basically all these like anti-climate change, pro-sustainability exchange traded funds. And I'm like, yep, okay, if I'm going to be a filthy capitalist, at least I'm going to make some money trying to do some sustainable stuff. So uh, let's look at the numbers. How is capitalism going? Uh, well, my beta shares Australian Sustainability Leaders ETF is down 4% in the last uh, few weeks, which is disappointing. Peach, Peach, can I, like, what is going on here? What are we doing? We're checking in on capitalism. We're doing a capitalism <laughs> check. <laughs> we're, we're trying to see what's going. So that's down 4%. 
Uh, E-Invest down 3%. Investmart down 2%. This is over the last few weeks. Vanguard Ethically Conscious down 2%. If we head over to a mutual fund, that is down for an investment of very little. That's down 4.29% over the past few months. So it looks like capitalism's on the way out, Jag, is the point I'm trying to come to. The best metric I can come to, the stock market, how are capitalists going, sitting there owning stocks? Well, we're not doing that well. So that means that our podcast has achieved a lot in 2021, but there is more capitalism to unravel and unwind in 2022. And I'm looking forward to doing it with you. Well, welcome back to another year of Spooko. Mm. There's been a few things I've reflected on with the podcast over the past couple of weeks. One oh, of which shit, is... Jack, this isn't after my poor performance solo last week, is it? Oh, Peach, I'm not firing you. Oh, that would be so <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Thank you. Mm. I like uh, I I'm a big fan of those moments when we just try to fuck things up. So there's that speaking of that, there's a few things I want to do this year. So mm. and I don't mean to like uh, in radio what they call maintenance in which we keep you on the line by telling you what's coming up later, but Yeah, but you should really stay on the line for what we're going to talk about. I've later. got some unbelievable ideas on not just how we're going to actually produce charcuterie and kinder and another as yet unnamed film this year, but how we're going to connect them together in the same universe. So in the next couple of episodes, we're going to go back to Spooko Studios and talk about that. So that's number one. Number two, I was just in Tasmania over the past couple of weeks and... On the way back, I caught half of a film because, weirdly, Australia is a massive place, but Sydney to to Tasmania is a very short plane flight and not long enough to watch a whole movie, as I discovered. So I started watching Malignant, James Wan's latest, in which they try to find a word that's a negative word and then think, okay, well, what's the bad guy? So they've done Insidious. Insidious, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a, there, it's not James Wan, but there is one called Malevolent. And so they've done Malignant, which to me, I was like, that's a tough one. But when you actually watch this film, you're like, oh, no, I get it. Now, I watched half of the film and I was going to do it today, but then I read the Wikipedia synopsis for the second half and I was like, oh, no, fuck, I have to watch this and tell you all about it. Oh, you haven't seen... So I've I've listened to the two scary didn't watch so, it. So I've Ugh. seen. So I need to see the second half of this thing. Ugh. So that's coming up soon as well. We're going to do malignant, but. One of the big things I wanted to do mm. is that we get a lot of suggestions for films to do and I keep a little list in my notes app mm. and I try to keep up to date with who suggested it and what they are. Mm. And for the, at least the first part of this year, I want to get through some of these suggestions because there are some really good ones in there. Yep. And we're going to start with one, which once again, this is not a humble brag. I just couldn't work out who had sent in this suggestion. <laughs> It's not. I do, I do love it. It's like we get so many. Man. <laughs> it's just, uh, to be honest, I, I feel like Instagram messages needs a pretty comprehensive search tool so I can search a query. I can go through all my messages and find out. Maybe it does exist. I couldn't find it. And so thus, I couldn't find who sent this in. In radio training, um, when someone used to call up and try to pressure you to put a song request on, it was like, oh, generally don't really attribute to someone requesting it. Like when you play the song, they'll know it was, you you know, they'll know it was their request. Like you don't have to mention it. And so whoever suggested the film, don't worry. You're like, you know, if you're hearing it here, you'll know it was you. So today we're doing a film from 2021, which is weird to think that's last year now. A eco 
Uh, I'm just trying to think the best way to to describe this this one. Like, it, a, a very just just a, a, a very a very conscious horror film in in a few different ways, which I found intriguing. Not necessarily amazing, but definitely intriguing and worth doing today. A film called Antlers. What is storytelling? Storytelling started with our indigenous people. Can anyone give me an example of a myth or a story they're afraid of? What's going on? We found the part of a man in the woods today. Part of the man? I guess the other half was found in the mine. All this has got to be an animal, right? These drawings belong to a student in the mine. This is what was in the mine. It's a diabolical spirit. Excuse me, this is a myth. Well, for you, yeah. I feel like now that I've watched the hereditary kill count, I'm filled with even more unjustified cockiness than I was in the past. Basically, that looked to me like the BFG. I'm like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> this is a Roald Dahl film. I could watch this. Shag, I could watch this. I think. I'm pretty sure. I think there's, there's, there's some really interesting things about this film. So first of all, yes, it's, it's a little bit more fantastical than horrific, especially with the monster that reminds me of the xenomorph from Aliens when we eventually see it, which I thought was really interesting. And not you like, you know, it's such an influential design from H.R. Geiger in the sci-fi world, but you often don't see those touches brought into horror when, you know, Alien really is a horror film. And in fact, is on my list, suggested by Lauren. We will be doing Alien eventually, uh, and probably debating why people don't see it as a horror film and the debate ends when it's like well people think it's sci-fi and sci-fi can't be horror and blah 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 but then you go well what about event horizon and blah 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 um you have seen event horizon i have to brag about that another time gosh i'm (laughs) tough (laughs) so the 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 bad guy itself is not super horrific but there's also this slightly depressing undercurrent of i guess I, don't, I can't think of the word. It's the, 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 this film centers around this underprivileged kid and we just feel bad for this kid and for the life that he lives. And it's weird how, how that takes the edge off the horror. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, yes, I'm scared of this, this monster, but actually I just feel really bad for this kid that just lives in horrendous underprivilege. Oh God! So so we're not scared so much as bummed out. Yes, well, we we kind of yeah. It's you know it's, so there's all these weird things, but then but then when you there's like the 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 people involved in this film are immense. So it's produced by Guillermo del Toro. So it's one of those present like he didn't direct it, he just produced it. But it was also produced by David S. Goya. Now, does that name mean anything to you? No, but I'm embarrassed that it doesn't. Like I'm like, yes, okay, cool. 
So he wrote the screenplay for Batman Begins and together with Christopher Nolan devised the story for the trilogy. So he essentially wrote The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises as well because he helped come up with the story. And then kind of like a creative director was like, okay, the idea's there. Now you go and actually write all the bits and fill in all the dialogue. Gosh, how much better is ideation than execution? It's the the best. Anyone who executes, look, more power to you. (laughs) now also star power so this film features kerry russell who as as an aging millennial my reference for her is felicity Felicity. and and it's kind of that's kind of it but also jesse clemens breaking bad the junior breaking bad he's the sort of uh yeah he's so season five sociopath breaking bad he is in the recent Jane Campion Western, The Power of the Dog, or Power of the Dog, or uh, I think it's The Power of the Dog, he is, and I like, I've always thought this, and I mean this as no insult, but he feels like the sort of person that you would be like if you were trying to find a Hollywood celebrity to be like, who do I look like? But maybe we're feeling a little bit tubby that day. We'll be like, I look like Jesse Plymouth. My 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 lookalike's always been Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> my line after he died was like, "Well, Hollywood, like, where are you going to go now if you need that energy? If you need that Philip Seymour Hoffman energy?" <laughs> so this film has it, it. It's got incredible backing in terms of you know belief in the story. It's got great star power, and it's got an interesting approach to horror that may or may not be successful. I think there's a lot to it. Pete, should we do Antlers? I'm excited. Okay, so we kick off in the small town of Cispus Falls in central Oregon. Now, this film is... very Stephen Kingy. Like, it feels like not, not, not quite the same town, but I'm in sort of Stephen King, Stranger Things sort of... Vibe. Very Stephen Kingy. Everything feels like... Like, all... Like, beautiful landscape that feels like it's just rained or it's just about to rain... Reminds me actually a lot of Hobart where I just was in Tasmania because like when you like Australia is as big as most other countries and that it has so many different climates and when you go down to Tasmania it's crazy how different the climate is from Sydney. Also funnily enough Tasmania is super close to Oregon. I was looking up Oregon before this and it's about as white as Tasmania. It's like This feels mm. like Twilight is the other thing. I was yeah. like I've actually seen Twilight the first one and I was like this this looks exactly like what Twilight was. Trying. This is a weird fucking film. Okay, so all right. So we start with Frank Weaver who we get the impression that he's actually not a bad dad and he's driving to kind of a scary looking industrial area in town with his seven-year-old son, Aiden, in the back of the car. And he's like, now, Aiden, you've got to wait in the truck. I've got to go in here and do some stuff. It's not for kids. You just stay in the truck. Don't leave. And I'll be back out soon. I think we have laws in Australia that you can't just leave a kid in a car. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, so, sounds right to me. <laughs> so, so I feel like, but, but, it's, so I'm like, he's he's obviously not father of the year, but there's there's a there's a tenderness there. He's not like a you just. He's like clearly has love for his son. He goes into this abandoned sort of place. Uh, turns out to be an abandoned mine, and it turns out he's running a meth lab there. 
And we only know that from the discarded boxes of cold and flu tablets. I and... thought it was going to fall into a vat of antlers. And... <laughs> <laughs> now, while he's in there, he hears a sound. His accomplice is like, I thought you said this place was abandoned. He's like, it is. They go chasing the sound. They find all these. Like, hanging... This is a lot like Batman. Like this is actually a lot. Like... <laughs> it's like, oh man, what was that? It's like, oh, you idiots, don't get spooked by the bat. <laughs> no wonder David S. Goya loved it. He's like, this this film yeah. really tickles my fancy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I know what you do. <laughs> so anyway, he he goes into this tunnel. You know with his guns because it's America and everyone's got guns and they find these sort of hanging, I guess, totems, that sort of folk horror thing where you find totems and they're like, what the fuck are these? They hear the sound. It comes closer. They get attacked by an unnamed entity. Cut back to Aiden. Who's like, where the fuck's dad gone? Gets out of the car, goes into the darkness of the mine. We don't see what happens. And then antlers comes up on the screen. As in the word antlers, so, not, yeah, yeah, not yeah, many yeah. antlers come up on the you. screen. I had the benefit of your gesture there, which anyone listening might have. <laughs> now, they survive the encounter and return home where their condition worsens. Frank sets up a locked... Oh, so they've got antler sickness or whatever, having, having met the antler person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Frank, the dad, sets up a locked room in their sort of meth house. So they live in a super depressing... Uh, like I don't mean this drug like it's the film is like this is the math house so they live in a super depressing math house um where Frank the dad sets up a locked room uh and demands to Aiden that no matter what sorry and demands to Aiden and his older brother Lucas that no matter what they will keep him locked inside they'll keep the dad locked inside yes yes okay. so the dad's like I'm so the dad you see the dad like drilling on locks onto this door and then locks himself in. He's like, you can't, it doesn't matter how much I cry. You just have to keep me locked in. That's, so, that's, that's, that's a pretty fun and cool opening. That's cool. I reckon, right? Like yeah. it is, there's, there's, there's total dread at the start yeah. of this film. So three weeks later, Lucas spends his time roaming the town, collecting roadkill and killing small animals before taking them home. Lucas's teacher, Felicity, <laughs> we're just going to call it Felicity, yeah, yeah, nice. uh, just sort of knows that something's going wrong at home. Good teacher. That, yeah, and there's a great scene at the start where she's trying to coax answers from different students rather than the sort of teacher's pet at the front of the class mm. um, and just trying to get them to engage in a lesson about folk tales which may or may not mm. be important for the rest of the film. This reminds me of the urban legend lecture at the start. of <laughs> Guys, here's a lecture about urban legends. Now just... <laughs> just while you're listening. All right. So Felicity notices that not only is Lucas withdrawn in class, he started drawing these really spooky drawings and so she just she attempts to bond with the boy and there's this really cute moment where she sees him in town and she sees him looking into the ice cream store and looking at all these kids eating ice cream and she goes up to him she's like hey i was about to go in there do you want me to buy you one and they just and you know takes him in and tries to get to the bottom of things mm. actually i don't know if that's maybe that's not cool yeah like, I, I sort of i don't like that 
Okay, I'm yeah, like, anyway. Oh, I've got some lollies, little boy. Don't yeah, actually, yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, hmm. Oh, maybe this is a teacher. Yeah, I still, yeah. Mm, yeah, no, I don't like that. Now, she begins Also, to... kids' drawings, mark your bingos for horror cliches. Kids drawings. There's, there's, there's another bingo coming up that I've realised that every single horror film ever has one of these. Nice. So she begins to suspect that Lucas is being abused and becomes determined to help him because she experienced childhood abuse at the hands of a mentally ill alcoholic father. Again, just generally mentally ill. Like no, no horror film has ever treated mental illness well. And this is no different. Oh God. I'm cuckoo. Yeah. Since her father's recent suicide, she's returned to Sispers Falls to be with her brother, Paul, who is, mark your bingos, the town's local sheriff. Priest. Oh, sheriff. Sorry. Every, every single horror film, no matter where it's set, I'm pretty sure even Alien, like one of the pit crew, used <laughs> to be the sheriff of their small town. <laughs> every, so, so, and that's, and, and so that's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the is the town sheriff and that's his nice. ca- his character is i'm a small town sheriff yeah, and you nice. know everything about his character already nice okay cool yeah it's like yeah, yeah i've got it i've got it i've got it yeah, <laughs> I'm the sheriff. uh so she she's come back to this town to be with the brother who she feels guilty about abandoning when she was younger and there's some tension between them but it doesn't really amount to heaps anyway that's classic horror film tension of like these two people who are going to die, you know, don't really get don't really see why these two. Now, Julia visits Lucas's rundown home and hears strange sounds. And there's moments where we kind of get glimpses of a creature, but we don't quite see it. And it's a little bit spooky. Hmm. Half of the remains of Frank's accomplice. So now remember like in the meth lab, yeah. Frank did have an accomplice, are found in the woods by former Sheriff Warren Stokes. Now, one of the things this film doesn't shy away from is gore. And also I realised, like Peanut Butter, every horror film is either crunchy or smooth. And by that, I mean how they treat the sound effects for death. It's either smooth in terms of it's all about splat and blood or it's crunchy. It's all about the bones. It's all about, right? Okay. Does that okay. makes sense? Yeah, okay. So this film is decidedly crunchy. It's very gory, but whenever there's a death, you just hear bones crack and snap and that's what the deaths sound like in this film. Yeah, okay, nice. And every time you see a dead body, you see a dead body. Uh, in this case, it's half the remains, so it's like, you see the the exposed sort of bottom of the rib cage and a bit of the spine. Oof. You see half the face being eaten out, and maybe you're seeing through to the brain and the back of the skull. Like yeah, it's nice. it's yeah, cool. it's legit. It's gory. Mm. It's 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 coming in to be like, yes, this is a depressing film. Yes, we've got Felicity. Yes, like you know, this is <laughs> this is going in so many directions. But don't worry, this is definitely a horror film, or at least it's a gory film. What's his rated, Shay? He's rated PG. Was uh, M? Nah, M-A. I think M-A? it was M-A. It was M-A or R. I think it might have been R, but I could be wrong. Because the gore. gore is pretty significant. Yeah, okay. So they're found in the forest by former Sheriff Warren Stokes, who is not the new sheriff, which is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Luke what is, is his actual name? Because now I'm going to start. I was... Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. Okay. So... We, we soon find out that Lucas is keeping his sickly and now ravenous father and brother locked up and feeding them with the animal carcasses he retrieves. And weirdly, the thing that makes it less scary 
is the design of the dad at this point, he hasn't gone full monster, but he has like a sort of glowing heart, like a glow sort of bright orange through his skin. And there's something about that that makes it not scary. I don't know why. Sick. Yeah, okay. A bright orange glowing heart of the dad. So Julia pressures the school principal, Ellen, into paying Frank a visit. Paul and Warren discover the other part of Frank's accomplice in the mine, along with a part of an antler. So it, it, it is kind of dumb how the movie's like antlers and then like there's ant, like it's just there's never a real satisfying link to antlers except the fact that there are antlers in this film. Just so you know, just don't expect there to be a big antler reveal. The glowing heart really gets me. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. Now, meanwhile, while while our new sheriff and old sheriff have discovered the second half of the accomplice and the antler in the mine, Ellen, the school principal, is in the house where she discovers Frank and Aiden locked up. She discovers Aiden first and she's basically like, you poor boy, I need to save you. But then Frank enters and kills her before antlers burst out of his body. So I guess, no, no, no I lied. There, there's, there's a reason for antlers to exist in this film. It's just, it's not as big a part of the film as titling the film Antlers would have you suggest. Yeah, okay, it just is a sort of passing detail. I mean, I must say, I do think naming stuff would be hard. Like, oh, fuck, what are we, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we going to call <laughs> So there's this subplot that's not mentioned in this Wikipedia synopsis, but one of the things that we know happens at school when you're underprivileged is you become subject to bullying. When things are bad at home and, you know, the kids don't have the money or the means or the time to, like, do the right things at school, kids are really... We know kids are awful and they then become subject to bullying. And so Lucas is no different and there's this really tall kid that bullies the crap out of him. And it's just, it's just really depressing. Like having to watch this kid look through the window wistfully at, you know, happy kids eating ice cream, watching him live in this awful meth lab and, you know, taking care of his like monster father and monster little brother. And and, and now on top of it, having, having to watch him deal with bullying, like it's, it's a very tough film to stay focused on the monster when the true monster of this is how can anyone let a kid... Yeah, exactly. The true monster of this is yeah. how can anyone let a kid live like this? Like, that's the real monster of Antlers. Oh, like, capitalism's the bad guy again. It actually is. It actually is. But anyway, so there's this subplot of it, but there's this, there's this mildly satisfying scene where... Or oh, do we eat the bully or something fun like that? Where, I do yeah, so the bully confronts him in the forest... And he's basically about to beat the shit out of Lucas. And then Lucas hears a snap in the tree, looks up. And then Frank, who's now transformed into a savage horned creature that's basically like a woodsy folk horror version of the alien. So imagine the xenomorph from Alien, but with antlers. And that's Mm. kind of what this... And a glowing heart is what this creature looks like. And jumps down on this kid and kills him. And usually... I don't want this to be the pull quote that's used in my arrest, (laughs) but... I'm usually not down for kid killing in these films, but this bully sucks. (laughs) He's probably about 12 or 13, and when he is savaged by this creature in a very crunchy (laughs) kill... Yeah, nice. You're like, get him, get him. You are cheering at the screen. Uh, I'm not usually down for killing children. (laughs) Now, a terrified Lucas flees to his home where he discovers his father and brother gone. 
Ellen is also reported missing, and Julia visits the Weaver house where she finds. Sorry, Julia, I've got to stop. But where Felicity, yeah, Felicity visits. Felicity, yeah. Where Felicity visits the Weaver house where she finds Ellen's car. The police arrive and discover Ellen's body along with Frank's, which is now a charred husk. And so they're like, well, Frank's oh, dead. Yeah, remember? So like the glowing heart sort of mm. glowed out. Yeah, okay. So Aiden, meanwhile, is nowhere to be found. Lucas is taken to the hospital where Jul- mm. where Felicity and Philip Seymour Hoffman are told he's severely malnourished, <laughs> dehydrated, and shows physical signs of having been abused for years. Julia decides to let Lucas stay with her. And in their mind, Frank's dead, mm. right? They're like, well, we've seen his yeah, corpse. Yeah, we just saw Yeah, like yeah. He, he, he is dead. So the next day, while Lucas recovers in the hospital, Felicity and Philip Seymour Hoffman pay... <laughs> sorry, I've just got to... Uh, I've, I've just got to go with it now. Yeah. They pay Warren a visit and show him Lucas's drawings. Now, Warren is Algonquin, I think, which is one of the original tribes. Indigenous, of, yeah, one of, of the first you know, peoples of you know, Yeah. Uh, and he identifies the figure in Lucas's drawings, which is the figure that they know is out killing people, as a Wendigo, which is a legendary Algonquin creature that started as a man that went crazy eating meat and became its own sort of, you know, everlasting spirit. Um, and basically it jumps from person to person. It's always hungry. The more it eats, the hungrier it gets. The more it eats, the weaker it gets. It gets stronger as it's hungry, and then it eats, and it, it get, becomes more starving, becomes more weak. It's crazy. Anyway, they're basically oh, like you yeah, can okay. only kill it at its weakest after it's eaten, and you can only kill it by destroying its heart. Oh, so this is why we want to feed. Oh, well, no, this, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Now, Bully's body is discovered that night. Lucas is discharged and learns that his dad is dead. He tells Julia that his dad isn't dead. And that's just the old dad and his new dad is coming for him to take him down to the mine to be with Aiden. So the transformed Frank uses Aiden to lure the... Look, a, can, you, can you take me through that sentence? So it's like, come on then, child. So basically they go to... I can't remember what part of... There's a, there's a point... It's, it's potentially at the old Weaver house where mm. they bring Aiden, like the young kid. Mm. And they put him in like a shed, right? And so they're looking for him. They find him in the shed, but it's basically an ambush. And this creature, this Wendigo, attacks and... uh, What? Have I just missed out on there being a Wendigo? No, it's the Wendigo. It's what Frank's become, remember? Oh, Frank's become the Wendigo. Okay, Yeah, it came out of his... Remember, it came out of his body. Yeah, okay. We didn't see that. I, I, I don't think we got that in this synopsis. No, we did. We did. So remember, remember when... <laughs> we got Frank's empty corpse. When Frank I'm, ate like, the school... I'm listening. I'm here. So when Frank ate the school principal, antlers came out, burst out of his chest. Yes. So out of his chest came the Wendigo. So the Wendigo spirit ah, was like okay. feeding on him. And that's the thing that killed the school bully. See. That's the thing that's luring. And that's the new dad that yep, yep. the kid's Sorry, talking I'm with about. with you. Yeah. Fucking Peach. Don't know why you invite him anywhere. <laughs> Except uh, December bush dance. So the transformed Frank, who is now a Wendigo, uses Aiden to lure some cops and kills them. Uh, uh, So Felicity and Philip Seymour Hoffman hide. No, 
Felicity, God, there's so many names in this. So yeah. Felicity and Lucas hide while Philip Seymour Hoffman is badly wounded. Lucas escapes to the mind and Felicity and Philip Seymour Hoffman follow armed with a pistol. Inside, Felicity discovers Lucas and Aiden and sees that Frank has indeed become a Wendigo, currently feasting on a dead black bear. Now, because he's feasting, he's vulnerable. So yes. they have a fight. She manages to kill the Wendigo possessed Frank with Lucas's help. And she then grabs her knife, gets into his, like, carves it at its stomach, pulls out the heart, and just, like, crushes it. Oh, sick. Okay, that actually sounds amazing. Now, this is where the film took a turn that I actually couldn't quite deal with. Yeah, shake. Like, you look upset. You are visibly upset. So, at this point, I told you this film is bleak. This film is bleak. So, at this point, Mm. remember... This spirit doesn't die, it just gets passed on. So we then see Aiden, the seven-year-old, start going through like a bit of a sort of transformation and his heart start to glow. And Lucas is like, it's okay, he's just sick, I can fix him. And Felicity's like, you can't, you have to turn around and look away. Felicity, remember, who is a teacher and gives a Uh. shit, goes up to this kid who is just sort of like, sort of a bit catatonic while this transformation is happening and she hugs him and, and she closes her eyes and she's crying. And then we hear her repeatedly stab him in the back to try and get the heart out. Uh, and this is a kid killing you probably are opposed to. So that's the kid killing you, I don't like. Yeah, that's that's is, the one I don't want. We've got the smooth and crunchy version of <laughs> kid killing for you in this film. So... Sometime later, our heroes, who are called Paul and Julia, but we've been referring to as Felicity and Philip Seymour Hoffman. heroes who've just murdered a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, walking along the weird sort of Oregon shoreline with Lucas, talking about what they're going to do and whether the curse, is de- uh, the curse is finished or whether they'll have to eventually kill him too. As they leave, Paul... So not the kid, not Lucas, but Paul, mm. a.k.a. Philip Seymour Hoffman, begins to cough up black bile, which is what Frank did when he first became possessed by the Wendigo. And end of film. And end of film. Yeah, okay. Like, it, it is a horror film then, if that's the ending. Hey, so, like, so one of the ugh. interesting things I forgot to mention is yeah. I told you at the start that this is like an eco-conscious film. There's, there's this weird... Um, like it's not overly said, but mm. except in when they talk about the Wendigo uh, go and the history, is that basically the Earth is angry at us, and there's all these there's all these shots of like factories and mines and stuff, and the Earth is kind of angry at us for like fucking it up and climate change and etc. And thus, it's having its revenge through things like the Wendigo. Like that's kind of the one of the. Explanations they give for why this curse is returned. Anyway, I just wanted to put that in there because it's not in the Wikipedia synopsis, but it's kind of important. Yeah, okay. I mean, it sounds diverting <laughs> as a film. Like, it sounds fun enough. It doesn't sound too horror y, I must say. Like, but then it almost two leads kids back. are murdered by my, but two kids are murdered brutally yeah, no, that's fairly upsetting yeah in fact i accept that in a crunchy way at least in a crunchy way you don't even get that in a nordic thriller 
Like, this is like next oh, no, Nordic, level. Nordic thrillers are like, they raped 47 people <laughs> and like tortured them and stuff. We won't show that's, it to you, but we will explain it. That is like, so true. Have you ever got to the end of any of those Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books? They are horrific. Uh, the shit that happens. Al, Al watches British crime films and even like Midsummer Murders, like, oh. So he tortured them for 10 hours, like, before, you know, the village cricket match on Sunday. Oh, dreadful. Sips a cup of tea. <laughs> Only in midsummer. Um, and then off we go. But, uh, Shag, that was pretty spooky. Like, we're definitely back. That's just that, like, antlers. Let's do it. I just had in mind that was a Daniel Radcliffe goofy film that like he had antlers and had to deal with the social anxiety of having antlers or something. I've just made up a film. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a Daniel Radcliffe film. I think that film actually exists and it's called Horns, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Horns are like antlers. Yeah, okay, so I'm not going mad. That's yeah. good. I haven't just made something up. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? I'm an engine driver on a runway, on a runaway. And if you don't love me, let me know. I don't fucking know. <laughs>